Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Side Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak with marketing leaders and share insights to help brands and business leaders navigate the ever-changing marketing landscape and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. So our guest today is Kate. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Scott Dawkins, who's President, Global Business Intelligence at Group M. Nice to speak to you, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. So this is fairly new in the role for you. You've just taken over the role. Tell us a bit about what it comprises. What What is business intelligence from Group M's point of view? Yeah, our main product that we produce twice a year is our ad revenue forecast called This Year, Next Year. So we look at ad revenue, obviously, in this year and the coming years, really out uh, in a five-year forecast. And we specifically look at ad revenue rather than ad spend. We feel it's the, the best way for us to ascertain and help clients with the health of media owners, the partners that they're working with and uh, negotiating with. So that's our focus globally. So June and December, we put that out. And then we have another of other products as well, where we're looking at various advertiser segments, CPG, auto, luxury, and just generally help our clients make smarter decisions in their advertising. And when you're talking about ad revenue, Kate, does that mean that you speak to a whole ton of media owners and ask them about their predictions. And this must mean like the large global platforms right down to much smaller local publishers. Is that how you do it? Yeah, I mean, maybe luckily for us, I guess the the picture is converging globally. So the largest ad sellers in the US are now pretty much the largest ad sellers in most of the major markets. That's Google or Alphabet and Meta and Amazon among the top three. And then you have folks like Comcast and and Disney and and those players as well. Most of those companies, all the companies I mentioned at least are publicly traded. So we spend a lot of time looking at actual financial results. Those are records that are deemed to be correct or punishable by jail time. So we feel pretty good about uh, trusting the information in them. And then there are, as you said, a slew of smaller companies, some of which are public, some of which aren't. And so a lot of our work is in creating models, making assumptions and working out you know, how best to track and forecast uh, not only for the, the major markets, but also we work with many contributors across the globe within Group M to track over 60 markets uh, individually. 
Okay, so having had a look through this report, one of the things you do talk about is that you think there are reasons to be cautiously optimistic around 2023. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're hedging your bets? I mean, we live in, you know, slightly volatile times. What does cautiously optimistic mean? You think that revenue is going to increase for publishers, but there's a risk attached to that, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been in, I guess, the, the soft landing camp, if you want to call it that. Our forecast from December did not have a, a base case, you know, that there was going to be a deep, prolonged global recession. That was never our, our base case. And while there are certainly markets, individual markets and, and regions that are facing more macroeconomic pressures than others. I think so far we've been seeing pretty good resilience and, and some economic metrics that allow us to have that cautious optimism. So if we look at unemployment globally, the ability for people to maintain jobs, of course, things like wage growth, some of that's been eroded with inflation in various markets. But for the most part, we've seen that maintain consumer spending. We've just had better than expected annualized GDP numbers out of the US and Britain, the FTSE and the pound have been okay in January, I think better than some feared maybe. So we're just trying to watch all of these various metrics globally. It's a lot of data to, to wrap your head around. But that and basically what we're hearing from advertisers as well in the public sphere around understanding of the continued importance of investing in brand. We've heard that from several luxury and CPG companies that have reported their earnings just recently and understanding that that investment pays off over the long run. And so we haven't seen you know wholesale cutting or, or speaking of cutting from the advertiser side either. Yeah. And we know from Kantar evidence that actually cutting your marketing budget doesn't help you in the short or long term anyway. We advise strongly against it because it takes a lot of time and additional investment to make up for those gaps and to create the communications awareness and other key brand metrics to, to sort of haul those back onto track. But different advertisers, I think, are taking different approaches. Let's move on to digital now because it's, it's a super interesting story what's going on at the moment. The growth rates of digital advertising are are declining in some cases. They're continuing to grow, in other words, but at, at a much lower rate. We did a study recently called Media Reactions, and we surveyed marketers globally around the world about what they plan to spend their money on this year in terms of channels and, and platforms. And of all the places where they were planning to spend money, the whole of the top 10 were all digital, ranging from connected TV to podcasts to influencer ad spending. There was even metaverse in there, but online video was the largest. So how do you square these two things up? Like marketers are keen on digital and they are keen to continue spending. Is it the enthusiasm has worn off? Is it just that the growth rates were unsustainable? What's your diagnosis there? Definitely the, the latter if we're comparing it to 2021. I mean, as a whole, the industry grew almost 25% in 2021. It was extraordinary. It will probably never again happen in my career, you know, for such a large and mature industry to, to see that sort of growth. So certainly a normalization. And I think we're sort of hearing and feeling some of the whiplash from that huge growth. And a lot of companies invested in employee growth on the back of that. And it was never sustainable, those kinds of, you know, 20% figures. Now, some of the smaller companies, some of the newer companies, TikTok, sure, they surpassed that last year on a much smaller base than the industry as a whole. But if we're talking about um, sort of global industry-wide figures, 
that was never sustainable. And so 2022, our forecast was for 6.5% growth globally, which is still pretty healthy for a mature industry. Um, that's a nominal growth rate. So it's you know, slightly behind uh, inflation estimates for the globe. But we see that you know continuing to roughly 5.9% growth this year. So deceleration is how we'd like to, to characterize it, but not a decline. And certainly digital is growing the fastest among the channels. Out of Home also had a great year last year if we exclude China. So yeah, I think a lot of interest in those digital channels. I think there's a lot of draw for addressable the kinds of targeting that digital promises. I do think there's there's also still desire for brand and performance in that channel. And so folks are, are working out what that looks like, but uh, lots of growth in, in pockets, you know, whether that's specific publishers, specific channels, retail media is a, is a giant one, lots of growth happening there. So yeah, all across digital. Yes, and retail media is a rather hot topic at the moment that lots of people are discussing, firstly, because of, I guess, the rise of these sort of supersized retailers who have supersized data sets and ad tech platforms, but also because of the granularity of the data that they can use to support targeting, etc. What's the main driver for that, apart from the size of the retailers, do you think? Is it the retailers' desire to explore? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Additional revenue opportunities, or is it advertisers pushing for data that they are increasingly less likely to get from other platforms due to cookie deprecation, etc.? There's probably a mix of strategies and motivations. You know, certainly for what we would call retail endemic brands, that is CPG companies and companies that already had relationships with these retailers where they're selling their products in these stores. There's a benefit to being able to use that data absolutely to have visibility into point of sale. And so we've seen, you know, among our CPG clients at, at Group M, pretty rapid increases in terms of the, the percentage of spend that goes to, to retail media over the last several years, evening out a little bit in, in 2022. Now when we talk about non-endemic retail brands. So this would be maybe a travel company advertising on a store. Um, it gets a little bit more interesting. I think that's still very nascent, quite small. But as retailers start to get used to this higher margin <laughs> revenue stream, I think they'll be wanting to uh, to push into that, some of them, and see how much of that non-endemic growth they can achieve as well. So different kinds of advertisers from the ones you might expect. And I guess, you know, they will have to be perhaps slightly more experimental in their objectives in that kind of advertising. What are they actually trying to achieve? 
leave in those environments. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. I also wanted to talk to you about TV, about linear TV. You know, we've had a lot of conversation about, you know, connected TV in the market and streaming platforms, but television for many years, for decades, in fact, has sort of almost been the first consideration on a marketing plan, on a media plan, because of its ability to drive huge amounts of reach. But as it declines in in many markets, we still do see marketers from our research saying that they will increase investment in TV. And actually, consumers do like the ad experience on TV as well. They're used to it. They know know what the ad formats look like. So TV is still here to stay. But what do you think is changing then? How do media planners look at TV today? Yeah, this is a great question. We spent a long time looking at this for the report as well. And it is noticeable the decline in linear TV revenue and, and especially, you know, the, the audiences, uh, younger audiences in particular among markets like the US, like the UK, like, you know, portions of, of Europe. There are still markets where linear TV is, is growing, like India is, is one, but they tend to be the exception rather than the rule. And, you know, there's also, I think, a difference between markets where free to air has been the, the primary way that people engage with television. BBC is a great example example versus in the US where pay TV has been the norm you know pay TV penetration in the early 2000s was you know above 90% that was how a majority of people were accessing television that has really uh, <laughs> dropped off a cliff we're seeing you know pay TV penetration in the US likely to fall below 50% in just 2 years so that's a, a pretty dramatic change we are hearing from marketers, our clients as well, that the challenges in finding reach are becoming larger and larger. Uh, and so many of them, you know, the first step is to look at linear and CTV together. That's often how they're bought if you're working with a, a major network. So you, you're reach agnostic. You say, I don't mind where the reach comes from, whether it's on linear or CTV. The next step, maybe some brands consider that an impression on YouTube could be equal to an impression on television. That won't be the case for all brands. Some may consider at a given price that that's possible. Other brands in the pursuit of reach may look at diversification to other channels, out of home, for example, sponsorships, sporting events, music, those kinds of things. But it is, I think, universally a question on the minds of major advertisers is, what do we do with region frequency? Is that still the right starting point to your your question? And how do we achieve it if we do believe that that is the right metric and that is the right starting point? If we can't satisfy our existing reach goals on linear TV, where do we go next? Let's move on to some of the more, the newer types of ad formats. So advertisers, marketers are telling us that they're going to continue to increase their spend in influencer content and sort of influencer formats. Obviously, most of those are on online channels. Do you capture any of that level of format in in your report or are you mainly thinking of the channels? Because it's the format changes I think that marketers are also trying to wrestle with quite a lot. Yeah, we we don't have a breakout for 
influencers specifically in the in the report. I mean, the, the channels where that exists, things like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok are captured in our digital line item. I don't have a survey going out to the millions of influencers asking them personally for their, you know, their revenue, taxable revenue. I don't think that would go over very well. <laughs> but certainly an area of increasing interest for brands. I think, you know, this revolution almost of the, the shift to user generated content over the last several years has been fascinating to watch. And honestly, tied into the conversation we just had around TV, if we look at a market like China, in fact, where number of factors that led to the decline of linear TV there earlier, and much of that advertising revenue has shifted into more short form online video, video on commerce platforms with a much more performance oriented direct response goal versus branding. And that tends to be you know, the huge live streaming business there, a lot of influencer marketing happening there. And so you start to, to see, well, is that the way these other markets are going to go? Or is there going to be a realization of pushback that says no brand messages, that type of advertising is still really important to us, we're not going to shift quite so heavily into DR. But I think they are in some instances intertwined in the conversation. Yeah, I think that's right. And a couple of the platforms had announced sort of incursions into live stream shopping formats, for example, in Europe, but then have drawn back on those launches. So I think it's clearly a time for big experimentation if you are a, a media owner and a publisher and what kind of formats work in China, you know, which is often uh, the leader in many of these things may not always resonate elsewhere. Let's come back to retail media and e-commerce advertising. In our media reactions report, Amazon actually came out as the number one global platform in terms of ad equity as voted for by consumers. So this is what consumers think about advertising formats on advertising platforms. The main thing they say about advertising on Amazon is that it's relevant. Now, we know, having worked in media for many years, that relevance and timeliness are all really, really good principles to adopt for platforms that you're trying to advertise in. So the only thing that is an issue, though, is that when you're on a retail platform or an e-commerce platform of any sort, you're usually there to do something else. So what is it about advertising on those platforms that you think can get people's attention? Because people are usually fairly task oriented when they're on a retail platform of some sort. Yeah, I mean, it's always the, the case with search as well, right? You, you have a, a goal, intent, easily matched. And so that, that makes a lot of sense. Amazon and, and other retailers are certainly seeing the benefits of that. They're rolling out additional placements. And, you, know, you might see more sponsored listings now than you did a year or two ago as the demand picks up and as players like Amazon increase their inventory. So I think it's going to be about keeping that experience for consumers where they are finding what they want relatively quickly. You're offering up additional options or brands may take that opportunity to test creative different hero images, right? Or, or raising the profile of products that might not be found beyond a sponsored listing. So I think there are opportunities for brands to do that well and, and find consumers in that way. And the, the question is going to be, I think, around scale for the retailers themselves. You know, Amazon, in our estimation, you know, has advertising roughly 5% of, of 
total GMV. And that's sort of the high watermark. There are some of the large Chinese companies like Alibaba and JD.com and Pinduoduo that, that come sort of a little below that. And then you have a whole slew of, of more newer retailers to the, the advertising market, some less sophisticated or, or less scaled, where they're seeing you know maybe less than 1% of advertising revenue uh, as a percent of, of GMV. And I think scale is going to be increasingly important for those players to increase that metric. And Amazon's done relatively well there, but there are just challenges about the physical logistics of retail, which is very different to Google or Facebook expanding globally, where their service was digital. It was all bits and bytes, and you can transfer that very easily and scale that relatively easily. Content moderation and language set aside. But when you're talking about physical goods, achieving that kind of scale is is an entirely different proposition. Yeah. And I think I would agree with you on the point about the context is an important one. We would always advocate for testing your ad in in context, you know, frankly, whether you're a sort of CPG advertiser or perhaps a kind of non-native advertiser in another category. It's really important to understand how your advertising works in context, whether it's a brand building or a performance ad. You can't necessarily guess what's going to work in the right place, especially as we move into new formats in new environments. Actually, it's all one big test and learn, I think. So testing creative is super, super important. Can we just look a little bit ahead? I know you're you're always thinking ahead to you know what's happening this year, but how about some of the even more experimental formats like maybe gaming environments or metaverse type environments that advertisers are still talking about. There's a lot of noise about it and there's a lot of coverage about it in the press. We know that marketers are planning to invest more in metaverse, whatever that actually means to them, because obviously, as we know, it can potentially take a number of forms. But how does that feature in your report? And do you think, you know, do you think this is going to take over the world and be a massive development that we're all going to be surprised by? Or is it just a slow growing new thing that, you know, we'll experiment with and then fade away? What's your view? Maybe somewhere in between, but uh, a bit further skewed to the latter. So, I mean, if we think about our this year, next year report looking five years out, I, I think that's, you know, before we really see the impacts of anything metaverse related. And as I said, we're, we're very revenue focused as gaming was being mentioned more and more, you know, got excited myself and, and went looking to try and size this. And it's very, very small. It's very small. And, you know, we've seen some fluctuations within gaming just as a category over the last several years, you know, it enjoyed a quite a big surge at the early stages of the pandemic when people were at home and had more time to spend with games. And then we've seen, you know, revenues for some console companies and gaming companies, you know, companies like Eleven have seen revenue deceleration and, and decline in some cases over the last several quarters. So I'm, I guess I'm a bit bit further out on those views. I think the the next maybe really big transformation kind of outside of advertising, if I can put my, my prognosticators hat on, would be the potential to turn retail into bits and bytes instead of physical atoms. So the ability to have um, sort of marketplaces for 3D designs that get printed locally rather than having to ship these goods could then solve the scale problem for some of those retailers. But not quite there yet, (laughs) obviously. Uh, It's fun to think about. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Side Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com 
or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.